We just need to like rethink the way you don't need that much clothes. You're listening to episode number 59 of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, a minimalist media project by Kaylee Reed. New episodes uploaded only on Self-Care Sundays. And today I'm in New York City for Fashion Week. So excited to be here. I'm doing a sustainability series. As you guys know, if you've been listening to the past two episodes or if you follow me on Instagram at kaylee.e.r. So for Fashion Month, I'm interviewing different small independent designers all about what sustainability means to them and self-care in the fashion industry. And today's episode is an interview with Lila Podvin, who is the Canadian designer behind Harley J. At 20 years old, she left her family and friends in Quebec City and moved all the way to Vancouver to pursue a career in fashion. And after studying the ins and outs of the fashion industry, she came to the sad realization that the industry was not as glamorous as she once thought, and she was then inspired to create a sustainable and ethically made collection of her own, which is how Harley J was born. In today's episode, we are talking about her journey to becoming a designer, why she chose to create sustainable clothing. We talk about sustainable fabrics and how you can choose to be more sustainable when building your closet. All right, let's get into today's episode. I want to start with your story because I know basically nothing about you and I'm so curious just to hear about your background how you got into fashion and kind of how you got to where you are now so I'm originally from a very small town on the countryside of Quebec City Um, and I sort of grew up always not really fitting in to where I was so I knew that as soon as I was gonna turn it's actually 17 in Quebec because you finish high school at that age. I knew that I wanted out. I wanted to go somewhere else. So I ended up just going to the city, doing um, two years in CJEP there. And then after that, my big dream was to go to New York and study at FIT because I wanted to have like a big corporate fashion career. So I ended up not um, getting accepted my transcripts and all of that were late. Mm. My application was late because everything was in French and I needed to get it all translated in English and it was like super official because it's the States and anyways. So during that time, I went to Edmonton to like random, I know. (laughs) I was, it was like, I just wanted to learn English because French is my first language and I had been like traveling like to, I went to an English school in Miami for a summer and then I was an au pair in Ireland and that's kind of where I like learned English and I just had this dream of living an English life, which sounds really like silly now. But yeah, I ended up in Edmonton. And while I was there, a lot of people told me about Blanche McDonald Center in Vancouver. And when I found out that I wasn't accepted at FIT, I thought it was a good idea because it, it was the only school that was like a year long program. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going there and just totally fell in love with Vancouver. And then during the program, like basically my goal was I'm going to do one year of fashion school, and if I like it, then it's going to solidify that I want to move to New York. And, you know, moving to New York was just a bigger deal than moving to Vancouver because it's a different country. But during that one year at uh, fashion school, I just realized how bad the environment, the the industry was for the environment and the garment Mm -hmm. workers and all of that stuff. So I was completely turned off, and I thought after the program, I'm like, I'm just going to take a year to 
figure it out. Um, and then I eventually ended up at SFU and took some courses on sustainability. And it's after working like in a full-time job for maybe like three months. It's like, nope, this is not for me. I don't like this. Um, yes, I was just sort of asking, I guess, the universe to send me a sign. And funny enough, I remember going on a trip to Hawaii and I told myself while I was there, when I come back, I'm just going to say yes to every opportunity that comes my way because I like now I, I don't know what I'm going to end up doing with my life. I was just really unhappy with a nine to five job, which was funny because the only jobs I've ever had were like uh, working in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. So I was so craving that like nine to five schedule, like the same as my boyfriend. And I just, I couldn't wait to get it. And when I finally got it, it was not what I thought. Um, and the night I came back from that trip in Hawaii, I have a friend who randomly messaged me at like 10.30 at night and she said, can you come help me for a photo shoot on um, a new ethical swimwear line I'm launching? And this was sort of like me seeing that someone who had no experience in fashion, no experience building a clothing line, um, be able to do it. And it just kind of showed me that it was possible for me as well and that's how it all started cool okay so I already have questions based <laughs> on that um back up to when you were in school and you were kind of coming to this realization that the fashion industry was so bad for the environment was that something that was at all taught in classes or like how did you come to that realization so Okay, when I was in fashion school, the main thing was the whole garment workers, how they were treated. Gotcha. And so we watched some, like it was definitely not, you know, thought like, you know, you're choosing an industry that's really bad because I mean, the school was making money off of us wanting to work in the industry. But we watched a couple documentary, um, one of which was, I don't remember, it was it's a factory where garments from Nike and Forever 21 type stores um, are getting their clothes made and there are actually like nets underneath, like below the windows to catch people that wanted to commit suicide oh from gosh. jumping off. Like that really, like I just still get the chills. Like, yeah. yeah. So there was, so when I was at Blanche, it was more sort of the ethical mm. side of it. And also I just, as like, I was 20, 21, and I was just changing. Like, back home, I was extremely superficial. It was all about what I looked like, what I wore. And then moving to Vancouver, like, people are a lot more down to earth. And I just, I think my values changed, and I was growing. And I realized how a lot of the fashion industry was superficial and, like, keeping up with the Joneses. And just, I just, I didn't feel, like, attracted to it anymore. And then it's when I went to SFU and I took a couple courses on sustainability, one of which I like remember sitting in this class every Wednesday morning and I would just like cry. We, the teacher would show us videos and statistics about how bad like the environment was. And I could not believe that like I was living my life as if like none of this was happening. So that's where I got more of like the sustainability piece mm -hmm. and that's why I sort of like matched the two um, and created Harley J a few years cool. later. Wow. So, okay. So now let's talk about creating Harley J and what that looked like. So you had this friend that created an ethical swimwear line mm -hmm. and you were like, oh, she can do it. Why can't I do it? So how did you do it? 
so it's honestly like looking back it's so funny because it was like nothing like it was just like an idea and I just ran with it having no experience and just sort of figuring it out learning from my mistakes um so yeah after spending a weekend with her I started I was like, okay, this is something I could do. This is something I'm into. But, you know, I went to fashion school for marketing, not... Mm. And this is, like, pre-Instagram. Right. So, like, everything I've learned is basically not really relevant anymore. I have no design background. So one thing that really helped me, there was a program called Factory 45. Um, that's something you can look up online. And it, she's her name is Shannon, and she just, like, sort of teaches you the, step to, the steps to starting an ethical clothing line. So I had sort of that as like it was a community and also like step-by-step like videos of like what to do first. So like finding a factory and fabrics mm. and just like I, I back then I just had no idea. I would never look at care labels on an yeah. item of clothing. So it was a lot of like teaching myself like I knew what the good fibers were, but like what do they actually feel like and how are they going to work in someone's closet? And I don't know if that answered your questions, yeah, but it totally. was it's just sort of like trial and error, just being super motivated, knowing that I knew I didn't see myself in an office for the rest of my life. It just mm-hmm. didn't work with me. Um, and that just sort of like kept me going until I could finally quit and do it full time. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so you have this like really amazing aesthetic for Harley J. Has that always been the style of the line or has it really like evolved over the years? I think, I mean, when I started, I only had three pieces, two of which you got. So I think this style hasn't changed. It's just now there are more pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, the aesthetic to be honest, when I started, like, it wasn't something that I put so much thought into. I've just been creating, like, clothing that I, like, want to wear and the colors that I like. And it just happened. So, like, the whole thing with the aesthetic is, yeah, you pick, like, I get to pick my colors as a designer, but I also, it, like, depends on the photographers I'm working with. And, like, I think now I'm at a point where I can really pinpoint my aesthetic, but it did it, it definitely didn't happen overnight. Mm. Um, like, now I'm a lot more conscious of when we do a photo shoot, like, I know, okay, we're going to do it in front of this building because I know this building will look this way on the Instagram, yeah. and that's the aesthetic that I want to have. As of when I started out, um, you know, I'll just say, oh, yeah, this place is pretty, but then when I would put the photos on the Instagram, I didn't like it as much. So I just like to say that so people don't think that it just like happens overnight (laughs) and it's that easy. Um, I think that's one thing that now that it's been two years and a few months that I've launched a brand, now I'm comfortable and I know what I want and I know what it is. Um, But back then it was just sort of like you learn as you go and you have to like really like learn to enjoy the process and be patient which yeah that was like the hardest thing when I started I just wanted it to be what it is now at the beginning and I and I couldn't get there because I needed the time I guess to figure it out yeah that's a good point and I think like with any entrepreneurial journey patience is like one of the number one (laughs) virtues because nothing happens overnight Mm -hmm. but we see it's like Instagram and media is happening so quickly so you feel like things should happen overnight but they don't they take a lot more time um what has been one of the more challenging things on your journey of like becoming a designer oh there are so many um 
when I started, this was the number one thing. The patience mm. thing, that, that was the hardest. Because like you said, like we just see it online. We have examples of people we want to be like, brands we want to be like, and we feel like it happened overnight for them. And the truth is, it rarely is. Or if it is for one brand, maybe they had another brand before where they've learned and now they've like used these learning, these lessons and they've put in the new brand. Um, so that was hard, the patience. And then now... I would say the last few months I've been in a phase where we've been growing um, and it's really fun and exciting, um, but it's just really hard to put aside time for myself and like mm. have a schedule and manage my life and like, you know, have a social life and take time for myself. Um, so right now I'm looking forward the next couple of months because I'm starting to bring on a little bit of help. Nice. Um, and hopefully I can just be able to separate a little bit work and life but at the same time I'm, I'm grateful like that means if I'm busy it, it's good yeah what else I feel like there are so many well okay so one thing <laughs> that I want to talk about just in keeping with this series is um made in Canada mm-hmm. so the, I've talked to two designers so far for the series you're the third and this recurring challenge is having things made in Canada so one designer actually went to New York and her products are made in New York Um, Another has a collection made in Toronto, but also pieces made in China. You are fully made in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. What was that process like of finding the right people, making sure that the products were done well? Like it, is it challenging? Is it as challenging as these other designers have said as well? Yeah. Production is always challenging and it's all about finding the right people. Um, I think I've been lucky like the, the production facilities like that I use right now, they're pretty good. And I've developed the relationships now where I can trust them and they know what I want. They sort of get me. When you start, it's hard because you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, people can easily take advantage of you, which happened to me. Um, but, you know, looking back is a lesson I had to learn and I, I didn't know any better. I could have done my due diligence and I didn't. I think because I'm still pretty small, it's fairly manageable for me right now. And I don't have, like, I don't have a lot of styles. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I can only imagine, I don't know if the other brands you talk to have, like, more pieces. And like, they're in many stores and they have to, like, create a lot of units. Like, I'm going to show my line to New York for the first time in September. Very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that means that I'm going to have a lot more wholesale accounts, which is going to bring up my production numbers way up. And... I'm anticipating that it's going to be challenging to mm-hmm. like maybe have to rework. Um, maybe some of the people I use right now won't be able to do all of that production or all of the units. Like I'll have to like spread it out. But I I, ha- I can't say that it's like that hard. I think in Vancouver mm-hmm. we're lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of small production facilities that are popping up because there is a lot more small brands. So before these manufacturers, they would only take really large orders for a small amount of clients. And I think now they have to change because there's just so many smaller brands that want to produce a smaller amount of units. And for them, it's not as much money because it's so easy to sew like 300 of the same Mm -hmm. when you only want to make 40. For them, it's kind of like almost the same amount of time. Yeah, that's Uh, awesome. It's really cool that there is more demand for mm -hmm. it. Like I think that's promising. Yes. Um, something that I love that you talk about on your website is 
the like why supporting local is also environmentally friendly because I feel like that's a piece that's kind of missing from the conversation sometimes people think either eco-friendly or support local but they don't always connect the dots as to why buying Mm -hmm. something locally is way better for the environment so can you explain that a little bit yeah I guess I can give an example so a lot of my fabrics come from like that one supplier who is located in Vancouver so it's not that the fabric is made in Vancouver but he like it's a supplier they have a big warehouse and they get the fabrics from China which the ones I use have a certification like got certified or ecotex and um I will sometimes like drive there with my car Mm -hmm. I'll pick up all of my rolls of fabrics put them in my car I deliver them to my factory and then three weeks later I go back to the factory I grab a box with all of my pens that are made put them in my car drive to the office and unload and it's there like it's that easy like Mm -hmm. it hasn't been shipped to in like that wholesaler in Vancouver and then back like super far and then overseas to China like you know like it's Mm -hmm. just like the transportation is like very little um and it's also really cool that they're close like I go and I meet like the owner of this big company that like goes to China and talks to all of the mill people and I know that he really is all about sustainability and he's bringing in so much more sustainable fabrics like I've been doing this for three years now, if I count the time before the brand was launched, and the difference in, like, the number of fabrics now that are eco, that are available, has gone way up, which is super encouraging, because that means that, you know, there is a demand. Um, Yeah, so I don't know if that illustrates. Yeah, totally. And I do want to talk more about the fabrics, too. What kind of fabrics are considered to be like quote unquote good fabrics that are eco friendly mm-hmm. and why are they more eco friendly than other fabrics? Like, what should people be looking out for? Okay, so if we're talking about just being eco with the fabric, so hemp like is the most sustainable fabric, and that's like I don't know my facts by heart, but it all has to do with how like the crop is grown. I get a little like sometimes when people ask for my advice I'm not I don't know always what to say like I say yes if you can get if you can just buy hemp clothing that's the best but I know it's not really possible like you cannot dress all in hemp you won't yeah so like if you ask me like what's your number like what would be your tip to to dress sustainably then I have a different answer okay so then let's ask that okay yeah Okay, because I think the fabric piece is important, but like you said, like it's unrealistic to expect people to dress all in hemp because there's not, there's just not, not enough. Yeah, it's the, the demand isn't there. There's not enough styles and designers that are doing just that. Mm-hmm. So if we're talking just about like your tips for dressing more sustainably, let's get into that. Okay. So my number one tip that I've been sharing with everyone since day one is to find your own style. So I think that's like really where you want to start. It's not so much like all of a sudden like quit fast fashion cold turkey. I've done it and it turned out to not be that beneficial to me as a person. Like I went from just I stopped shopping or I would only buy thrifted. And sometimes it's hard to find pieces that like fit well and Mm -hmm. also just make you feel good so I felt like really sort of I don't know not my best self wearing these clothes and I think 
people need to feel their best self to like do their best work. So my number one goal, my number one advice is always like spend some time to figure out what your style is. And that can be as easy as just going on Pinterest, like pin like outfits that you really get it like you love and and then think of yourself like the next step would be okay now look at these pictures is this something you would actually wear does it fit your lifestyle and then sort of like write down take notes and start sort of building a closet that's like really many meaningful to you um and then when you sort of know like that you only need a few pieces to really make your closet super functional then it's easier to go and invest in ethical labels and maybe if you start with just like buying a couple pieces from ethical fashion brands just make sure you buy pieces that are versatile like for example the jacket Mm -hmm. you're getting like that's a piece that we call like a cost per wear champion like this is something you're going to wear all the time so it's gonna at the end of the day like it's even if it's like I think it's 255 but if you wear it three times a week for six months like that piece is actually not that expensive and then you sort of kind of start seeing the value of spending more money and investing in better fabrics so that's really where I yeah I tell people to start um because I've seen people just stop fast fashion but then they will buy at the same rate Mm -hmm. ethical labels especially if it's like something a bit cheaper like Everlane is more affordable and then people will just go crazy and buy a bunch of stuff and then you're not it's better it is better I can't say that it's not but you as a person you haven't done the work of like just slowing down your consumption yeah and it's something that it's hard for me to say as someone who like I need to sell clothes to make a living (laughs) but I still believe like we just need to like rethink the way you don't need that much clothes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a super great mindset and kind of hard to get into when everything around us, kind of like similar to Instagram media, everything is moving so quickly. Fashion is moving so quickly. But I love this idea of just like figuring out your style. Because yeah, and I, I'm all for also, you know, maybe like six months ago, I would not have said the same thing. But I, I love fashion. I like mm-hmm. dressing nice and even... Right now, I feel like my closet is not where I would want it to be. Um, I wish I had more clothes that I like fully love. But how about you just have a couple friends that are the same size as you and you guys like go together on buying some pieces or you have to go to a wedding this summer and so does your friend like buy a dress, the two of you, so you can both wear something new. Like I think that there are other ways to... Mm. Or like Poshmark now that is yes. in Canada. Like There are options and... I hate having to go and donate clothes. Like there was a time where I thrifted so much and then my closet is full of thrifted things, which is great. It's secondhand, but I'm not wearing it and Mm -hmm. I'm just going to end up bringing it back. So now I've like sort of even stopped going to the thrift store because I can't control myself when I go. (laughs) I'm I'm not going anymore. Um, Yeah. So I I just think that like now in 2019, there are other options and it's up to people to see if they want to explore these options yeah and keep your money for other things experiences instead of belongings yeah and another thing so I was for a while kind of hung up on this um, idea that yes slow fashion is more expensive and for some people that's not realistically as accessible as fast fashion Mm -hmm. But then my friend brought up to me, she was like, you know what, Kaylee, my friend's a designer in Toronto. And she goes, Kaylee, like, 
I walk into the mall and I go to Aritzia and there's a ton of girls in Aritzia not blinking an eye to pay $250 for a blazer. But if you see that on a slow fashion brand, people start raising questions being like, oh, like it's so expensive, blah, blah, blah. So she's like, I don't really actually know if that accessibility excuse is valid because people still do spend money on things that are the same price, but mm-hmm. not necessarily ethically or sustainably made. Yeah, I love that you brought up Aritzia. <laughs> but it is expensive, and yeah. it's made in China. And yeah. I mean, and people who love Aritzia, they own a lot of Aritzia. A lot. <laughs> and it's, you know, like when you start buying from ethical brands, like I don't think you will ever, I mean, I shouldn't say that because everyone is different, but I know I would never end up splurging as much and buying so many items as I used to at Aritzia or Topshop or like these stores that I used to shop at. Like I just would go on a spree and spend $500 on things that I didn't need. Mm -hmm. I would wear a couple times. As of now, if I spend, I've never even spent $500 on an item of clothing, but I know if I did now, it would be something I would keep forever. Yeah. And like, like a piece that I would probably wear like three times a week and something that I love. And you know the thing with slow fashion? You can resell it. There yes. are so many of these groups, like buy, sell, trade, slow fashion, something like that on Instagram. Like mm-hmm. you can, there is value to it. You totally. can resell it. So yeah, you have to really think of it as an investment. Okay, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. You guys can follow Harley J at Harley J on Instagram. Definitely check out her website. She has amazing pieces. And if you follow me on Instagram at Kaylee.e.r, you'll see that I'm wearing the jacket that she gifted me. I am obsessed with it. I've been wearing it all fashion week. Until next time, make sure that you catch up on the episodes previously in the sustainability series and stay tuned for more designer interviews coming up for fashion month. Thanks everyone and happy self-care Sunday.